Um, yeah, if you are new with us, then you have caught us at the tail end. This, this is the third week of a three-week series uh, that we've been doing about sex. Yeah. It's been great. Now, here's, here's why I tell you this. If you haven't had a chance to hear all three sermons, then after tonight... Please go to our website, ccfministry.com, and get caught up, because it's important that you don't hear any of these sermons in isolation, okay? Um, This series is kind of like one long sermon, broken up into three weeks, because there's so much that's important to say. We couldn't say it all in one night, and so we decided to say it over three nights. But but none of the material stands alone. It's, It's not enough to just hear what I'm saying tonight. It's not enough to just hear what David said first or what Kelly said last week, okay? They really do function together. There's a string that shoots all the way through, okay? And, uh, and it's important because that's, that's what we'll get. If you, if you listen to all three, you'll get a full biblical vision of God's creation of sex and of also of ourselves as sexual beings, okay? So, uh, a couple of weeks ago, David did a really helpful job covering the goodness of sex and its power and how the Bible is full of celebration of what it means to be sexual beings, while taking very seriously um, the, the nuclear power potential of sex. Which means that if it's uncontained or unboundaried, then you can do significant damage, right? Uh, and then last week, Kelly punched the stuffing out of the cultural lies we've been told about sex. Lies about how it's, been, how it's the most important experience you can possibly have. Bogus. Lies about how it's the most important thing about you, bogus, and the truth that God has a better way for locating our value, our identity, and even our sexuality in his good creation. And that's what's true, no matter what our culture says. So, if you didn't hear them, go back and listen. They're really important. So, that brings us to tonight. Tonight, we are going to talk about redemption. Yes. We're going to talk about healing. We're going to talk about hope. We're going to talk about wholeness, forgiveness, and the truest of all true loves between people. I'm excited. Um, we're going to, the reason we're going to t- end the, the, this series that way, the reason we're going to talk about redemption is that we all have our own stories, our own backstories of culturally influenced and probably pretty personally mixed sexual backstories, don't we? There's a good chance that this series on sex has brought up things from your past that maybe you would rather have not have remembered. It, uh, it did for me. And that's not necessarily bad if, if you know how to respond to your past and if you know the only God who can free you from it. Because God is the one who makes all things new. He says so. And many of us are experiencing that right now. Amen? Amen. So let's pray to start off, and then we'll talk about it, okay? Lord, we do thank you for uh, this night together. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that your word gives us the kind of guidance for how to live, both in our political climate, like Romans 12, and also in our sexual climate, in these texts we're going to look at tonight. Lord, I thank you that you have the offer on the table for everyone of a new life, of a clean slate, of a a beautiful do-over when it comes to our sexual backstory. And that many, many in this room 
have already experienced that and are experiencing that. Lord, we just want to look at you and look at what you can do with our mess and celebrate and worship and appreciate and receive. So, Lord, use, uh, use these words, use the music, use the, the whole night to communicate what you'd like to get across to, to your family here tonight, Lord. We're counting on it. Amen. Amen. I'm not doing the Britney Spears mic because if I cough, it'll destroy you. So I can cough and then we'll survive. Um, yeah, Britney Spears. I've dated myself. Is she still cool? Oh, all right. All right. Hey, I'm spring chicken. Yes. Okay. Back to the text. Um, so the first two weeks of this series, kind of our source text was, was Genesis one and two talking about God's originally good design, which is true for all creation, right? Everything was originally created. So good tonight. We have to take very seriously Genesis three bummer text, which means whatever happens in Genesis three is equally true for all of creation. And that's bad news. Genesis three details how the two original human beings turn against God. They turn against each other, and the rest of the created world even turns on them so that living in it becomes hard and dangerous. You have to read it for yourselves to get all the details, but it sets the stage for the human struggle that we live in today. This is why our world is a mess. And that means that every part of God's created goodness, that original good, is now vulnerable. As human beings, we haven't lost our imageness of God. We haven't stopped being God's image. But our image is stained. It's cracked. It's twisted out of shape a little bit. It's true of our emotions, of our imaginations, of our will, of every part of us. Every part of us is in a battle right now. And every person in this room doesn't always come out of that battle choosing what's wholesome, do we? Yeah, that would have been weird if someone was like, yeah, no kidding. Maybe in our heads. And that's as true with sex as it is with everything else about us. Sex was not somehow like safe from the Genesis 3 poison. So every person here is beautiful and a little corrupt. We're righteous and we're wicked. We're good and we're bad, aren't we? Because of Genesis 3, humanity as a whole is sexually broken, sexually unwhole, sexually less than God's created good intentions for us, sexually off the mark. In our own lives, some of that sexual brokenness is really our fault. We did it. This choice is we made. That's true for me. Um, I'm going to get personal with you guys tonight, and we're going to go a little deep, okay? But it's real. We talk about real stuff at CCF. My, uh, my first two years in college, I could probably be classified as a masturbation addict with a porn compulsion, okay? Now, I know that's not uncommon, but that, sadly, but that doesn't make it harmless. I spent two years poisoning my sexual imagination, turning sexual hopes and desires into abusive, toxic, women are pieces of meat to enjoy experiences, That's a big part of my personal sexual backstory. 
Those are choices I made, ways that I chose to train my body and my imagination about sex. However, on the other side, it's also true that some of the sexual brokenness in our lives is not our fault. Sometimes, our sexual brokenness comes because of what someone else did to us. Some of you have been sexually taken advantage of, even abused or assaulted. And your backstory of sexual brokenness includes confusion. What if I kind of liked the abuse or felt close to the abuser? Does that make it my fault? The answer to that is no. Whenever someone with power sexually advances on someone with less power, it's not the lower power's fault. Some of you need to hear that. But I bet for all of us, all our backstory of sexual brokenness is probably a source of shame. Many of you have had to fight back against interior accusations of feeling like damaged goods. Not wanting anyone to ever know what's happened to you. Or terrified of, know, of someone knowing what you've done sexually. What your sexual backstory is. And so we're all tempted to hide. We're fa- when faced with sexual brokenness, which is a side effect of being human after Genesis 3, we cover. We avoid. We keep from talking about it, right? At least we're tempted to. When the Apostle Paul, who was as messed up and broken to bits as the rest of us, he actually calls himself the worst of sinners. When he looks at this situation we find ourselves in, he cries out in his letter to the Romans in chapters 7 and 8. Excuse me. In verse, starting in verse 25 of chapter 7. Oh, no, sorry, 21. He says this. I have discovered this principle of life, <clears throat> that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart. But there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that, from the, this life that is dominated by sin and death? And then he answers his own lament with praise. Thank God. Verse 25, thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Jesus is the antidote to our brokenness, sexual and otherwise. The spirit of Jesus, who we talked about at fall camp, his life in our life has freed us from the power of our sexual backstory. Jesus is the solution to Genesis 3. And if you belong to him, your broken sexual backstory is not the defining part of who you are, nor is its power permanent. By attaching yourself to the only human being who did not succumb to the side effects of Genesis 3, then you have attached yourself to the only one who will really help you. The only one who can. And ever since Jesus started saving people from their brokenness, his communities 
have been collections of the recovering. Amen? Let's look at 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11, starting in verse 9. Or do you not, this is Paul writing to another church in, in Corinth. Or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men. Goes for women too. Nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And this is my favorite part. And that is what some of you were. Past tense. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. This community of Jesus' people is full of all those backstories. That's what some of us were. CCF is a community of the recovering. We are those being washed, being sanctified, being justified in Jesus' name by the Spirit of our God. Which means you belong here. With all your sexual brokenness, whether you did it or it was done to you, this is the community for you. You can even be a leader here with a messy sexual backstory. We've had recovering sexual addicts like me as core leaders. We have some right now. We've had men who are attracted to men and women who are attracted to women who read this Corinthian text and say, I want to call God my king. I want to be a loyal subject in his kingdom. So I choose not to act on my sexual desires. We say, hallelujah, get in here, lead this place. Show us how it's done. We've had core leaders, interns, and staff who have that backstory. If that's you, you are welcome here and, and welcome to be here and to lead here. We have men and women who have been sexually abused in this community. Not in this community. Before this community, and now they're here. And they are being freed by Jesus from that harm and are learning to say, I am powerful and I am clean. And you know what? And this is a little tangent, but it's important. Part of healing from that harm is the superpower of forgiveness. For the sexually abused, the freedom that Jesus offers you because you belong to him is the freedom from hating your abuser forever. Jesus offers you the superpower to forgive. To release your permanent hatred towards your abuser. Now that does not mean you have to trust them again. That doesn't even mean you ever have to see them again. But it does mean that in this community, following Jesus offers you a way to be free from the poison of permanent hate. Even when the abuser deserves it. Friends, whether our sexual brokenness comes from what we've done or from what's been done to us, if we belong to Jesus, then we have been washed, sanctified, justified, and freed to follow Jesus away from whatever variety of sexual brokenness we bring with us. Amen? And if you're not a Christian, 
but that sounds appealing to you, you better get in this family. We would love to have you. And you would love to be here. Tell Jesus he can run your life. Apologize to him for all the damage you've done trying to run it yourself. And then welcome him to set up shop in your life and start healing you. Let him be your Lord and Savior, your leader and your nurse. And become one of his people, a follower. And if we've done that, then we're ready to take the next step towards sexual redemption. Here's what I mean. I want to I talk about two images to end the night before we respond. Light and love. Let's talk about light first. First John says this about what it means to live together in community, written by Jesus' disciple John. Chapter, five, uh, chapter 1, verse 5 in his letter, 1 John. This is the message we have heard from Jesus, because we were there, and declare to you, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If, but if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Look at what's connected in this passage. Confession, forgiveness, and fellowship. The lights went on. Ooh, light. The lights went on for me when I realized this. This is not a a personal me and Jesus text. Because fellowship is in there. This is a community text. We talked earlier about how our sexual backstories often make us want to hide from each other, right? That's darkness. That's not light. You can't hide in the light. Everybody sees everything when you step into the light. That's what light does. But John says, if we walk in the light, if we step into the light, if we, if we, tell, if we show people who we are, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. All sin. You want to be forgiven of your past sexual choices? Then confess. Confess your sins. Step into the light. And do you want fellowship with one another? Then also confess. Stepping into the light means letting people see who you really are. How can you build real friendship if you're hiding from each other? Christian community is not a clean place. It's a messy one. Following Jesus means taking sin seriously, whether our own or someone else's at us. Jesus doesn't want us to bury or hide any of it. He wants us to, he wants to deal with all of it. And your core is money for this. Oh, first time I started getting victory in my struggle against porn was when I confessed it in front of my whole core. And men sitting across the room from me who I respected said, me too. And then there were men who were further down the road, more mature, more more grown than I was in their faith, 
and, then, and further down the road in their own struggle, and they were able to say, hey, keep fighting. It's going to get better. I know because I know what victory tastes like. You'll get there. Let's fight, and let's pray. And they prayed for me. It wasn't just a fellowship of the wallowers. There were some people who were like, hey, out of the swamp, it's not so bad. It's firm out here. The ground you can stand on. So if you are fighting sexual sin and you want sexual redemption, you better tell somebody. It takes bravery to confess to each other. It takes risk to tell people who can actually help you on your road to recovery. No matter how unusual or uncomfortable or debilitating you think your sexual struggles are, confess them to friends you trust and watch God forgive you, purify you, and deepen your friendship with those you confess to. I want to invite Danielle Ford up. She has uh, something that God's put on her heart. She's got a word from the Lord for the ladies in particular. Thanks, Danielle. Yeah, so last week um, at Friday Night, Thursday Night Fellowship, um, God just gave me a word to share with you all, um, and especially for the women. Um, Last week we heard about lies that we hear um, from our culture, Um, and I've just have been reflecting on a lie that sometimes we hear within our Christian culture. Um, I think there's a lie that we believe that um, that masturbation and pornography are only male problems. Um, That those aren't things that women are supposed to struggle with. Um, So if women do find themselves in that place, um, they feel like less of a woman, and they feel ashamed to ask for help. And tonight, um, I want to invite anyone who is struggling with that um, to bring that into the light and see God's grace and his redemption and just feel no shame. Um, The Lord does not want you to be afraid to ask for help, and he wants to invite you out of this brokenness. Um, So if this is you tonight, I want to invite you to share your story. Uh, I'm going to be up front tonight, and I just love to pray with anyone um, who has, like, walked this walk, um, no matter where you are with it. Um, And I think something in that I, has been on my heart too, is that if you have walked through this in the past and you've never told anyone, but you've kind of struggled along through it, um, the Lord too, no matter where you are, wants you to bring this into the light. And he wants it to have no power over you ever again. Um, so I have a scripture I'm going to share. Um, Psalm 116. It says, The cords of death entangled me. The anguish of the grave came over me. I was overcome by distress and sorrow. Then I called on the name of the Lord. Lord, save me. The Lord is gracious and righteous, and our God is full of compassion. The Lord protects the unwary. When I was brought low, he saved me. Return to your rest, my soul, for the Lord has been good to you. For you, Lord, have delivered me from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling, that I may walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I think this is what the Lord would want to invite us to tonight. Amen, preacher.
Thanks, Danielle. So that's light. That's stepping into the light. Let's, let's end talking about love. Swinging um, all the way back a couple of weeks to David's sermon, where he said, sexual desire is, not, is actually, a, at, at its root, a desire for human connection. And our deep desires for human connection can actually be met without sex, apart from sex. Kelly said last week, she isn't any more more or less fulfilled in her life of love and human connection now that she's married and sexually active than she was for the years before she got married. Every married couple will tell you that. We don't actually long for sex. What we really want from people is relationship. We want to know and be known. We want to connect. We want friendship. What we really want are expressions of human love that are accessible whether you're married or not. Even my relationship with my wife is first a friendship. Sex is just one of a hundred ways that we connect with each other. But if we overinflate having sex as the highest form or expression of love, then that means we risk overinflating marriage as the highest experience of human love. Which means that for all you single people, if you never get married, then the best of love you can ever hope for is second place. If you never get married, you'll never have the best kind of human love. Sorry. But the good news is that is not what the Bible says. For those of you who are familiar with the Bible, what chapter has the longest, richest, most beautiful description of true love? Love is this. Love is not this. It does this. It doesn't do this. 1 Corinthians 13, yes. Go study it. It's beautiful. You will discover the truest of all true human loves in that chapter. Unfortunately, I think, well, man, that's not unfair. That's not fair. It bugs me. We'll put it that way. It bugs me when I find that this text is most often read at weddings. It bugs me because it's not a wedding text. If what we long for, men and women, is true love, if what we long for is 1 Corinthians 13 love, then the best place to find it is right here. It's in your core. It's in your one-on-ones. 1 Corinthians 13 is a body of Christ text. This is God's people he's talking about. Chapter 12 on one side and chapter 14 on the other explains how God's community is supposed to function. Which means that right here in this community, in this local body of Christ, is your best chance of experiencing the highest possible version of love found in 1 Corinthians 13. Now, that doesn't mean marriage is lame. I'm not, like, downing on marriage now. Getting married is great. But it's not better than being single. And it's certainly not better just because that's where sex fits in God's design. True love, which we think sex can somehow deliver, can only be delivered by the people of God To each other, who live in community with each other, who walk in the light with each other, who enjoy fellowship and forgiveness at the same time. 
That's what 1 Corinthians 13 advertises and makes available to you, whether you ever get married or not, whether you ever experience sexual intimacy or not. You can experience God's highest form of human love, 1 Corinthians 13, in the body of Christ, in your core, in your one-on-ones. And that is good news. I would even go so far to say if you ever do get married, your marriage will suffer if you don't experience that love outside of a marriage context. If you don't experience that kind of connection in God's, in God's body. So worship team, you can come on up. Get ready to help us respond in some music. We're going to make some room for you to respond tonight. Some of you men and women need to confess your sins. It's just that simple. I've been sinning and I've got I to tell somebody about it. I've got to confess. I've got to step into the light with somebody. And not into the microphone. Don't confess into this. Not only does it make a lot of people really uncomfortable, but this room can't actually help you in that sense. Core can help you. One-on-ones, they'll help you. We, we can't know and be known in this size. That's why core is so important to what we do. That's where the magic happens. If you're not in the core, get in the core. If you didn't, if you didn't fill it out yet, find a community opportunity sheet, rip it off, fill it out, turn it in, and then go confess your sins in core. <laughs> you can confess tonight. You can step into the light tonight. We already know you're sexually broken just like the rest of us. Just be honest about it and start the process of turning away from it. Share with someone next to you. Share with a Korfa. Share with someone you trust. That also means that some of us are going to hear tonight these words, I've never told anyone this before. Right? Sometimes that's where it starts. So if if that's what you're hearing, then be ready to receive those people gently. Recognize the risk they're taking. Appreciate their confession. Thank you for trusting me with this secret of yours. Thank you for unsecreting it with me. Stepping into the light with me about it. Others of you, it would help a great deal for you to step into the light about what's been done to you. You have been carrying the burden of being sexually wronged all by yourself for too long. You should step into the light too. Not to repent. Not to, not to turn away from something you did if it was something done to you. But to be known and to face your past and to let Jesus start the process of healing you in his body of Christ with your friends who you trust. And asking for help to, to receive this superpower to forgive even that so that you are free from the poison of permanent hate. Jesus can do that. And all of us, no matter where we find ourselves in this process, all of us can celebrate the fact that Jesus redeems our sexuality, that Jesus forgives us and puts us in a community where we can experience the highest love, with or without sex. So while the worship team sings, confess your sins to each other. If you don't, if, if it's hard to sing and do it at the same time. Ah, confess, confess. Ah. It's fine if you don't sing. If you need to confess your sin, don't sing. You can turn to each other for prayer. Or if you want to come down to the front, there's people who can pray for you here. You can confess down here to a, to a staff or a core member or an intern you know or someone you trust. If you're a guy, confess to a guy. If you're a gal, confess to a gal. Only because that's going to be way more helpful to you going forward. Right? It's difficult to do, to, to, to do that the other way around, to, to mix it up. 
super personal. And plus, this is how you walk with each other. You're going to walk with people. Guys are going to walk with guys through this. Girls are going to walk with girls through this. It just works best that way. But let's celebrate the redemption of our sexual backstory tonight and take action where God's Spirit is prompting you to act. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, I trust that you have been encouraging and stirring people in here tonight. Lord, I pray that we would be a people of confession. We would be people who live in the light. Not publicly for all to see, but personally where we are known and can know and can receive personal known help for our struggles. Lord, may we celebrate the fact that you do not hold this stuff against us. You offer us a clean slate, a clean backstory, a renewed sexual wholeness. Lord, thank you that we, your people, are the people of the recovering. You are in process healing us, and we thank you for that. We worship you. We confess our sins to each other, to your glory, to receive your forgiveness, and to have fellowship with each other. We pray all this, Lord, in your name. Thankful for your freedom. Amen.